Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for who you are and what you have done. Lord, we're thankful that we can look to you and pray and ask for your forgiveness and have the guarantee of your word that you have paid for each and every sin that we've ever have committed or ever will commit. We thank you that the salvation you give is eternal. And Lord, that the love you give is without measurement or end. We ask that you would help us to learn more about your word, about your judgment. And Lord, that you would encourage us to simply serve you until you come back for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of them newfangled Bibles, it will say bowl. And uh, if anybody could explain the difference between a bowl and a vial, a vial is just a small narrow vessel. I guess a bowl would be a small open vessel, but it is just simply a small golden container from which contains the last of the wrath of God. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just blow this place up? I mean, when people do all the rotten things they do and uh, down through the years, all of the blasphemy. Have some of you remember the story of Mr. Huxley, the turn of the previous century, the early 1900s, who would walk into a church if he was allowed to do so or any public meeting place and pull out his pocket watch and I give God an hour, um, one minute to kill me. God wasn't paying attention. His wrath was being stored for here. Let me tell you, God is not going to allow one sin to go unpunished. It is his long suffering that has kept his wrath from destroying everything that is. It is his opportunity, his long suffering is our opportunity to repent, to seek his forgiveness. And to serve Him today. I don't know how many of you get frustrated with yourselves in your attempts to serve God. I often do. And I'm thankful that God gives us that time to say, Dear Lord, please forgive me. Give me the life and the strength to try again tomorrow. But when the seventh trumpet sounds... What does the angel said? That time should be no longer. This is the last point, and and we do not know exactly how many uh, days or months uh, this these last seven vials will cover. But it does seem that it's going to be a rather short. Uh, period of time, and we're just going to start in Revelation chapter 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Now, I want to just stop here. And the, the Bible is talking about things that we have not covered because 
chapter 12, 13, 14, and 15 give us all the background information so that we would know what the mark of the beast is and who he is and all of these things. But what we're trying to do right now is continue the scope uh, of the activity that is going on. And then we're going to go back and pick up all of those uh, bits and pieces. And so the idea here, noisome, is a word that we do not... Uh, use much in uh, modern English, but uh, it just simply means something. I mean, if you want to remember the word, it's something that makes you make noise. Uh, I don't know what about uh, how my children do this, but I mean, just uh, I was on my on the phone with my brother this morning, and all of a sudden, Stevens, you know, all through the house. Yeah, just a little bump on the head or something like that. Uh, and, and you stub your toe and what happens? I mean, they've got to hear you down the block, right? I mean, that's just the way it works. But it's something that is grievous, something that inflicts pain. It also has the idea of nosome, like your nose. Uh, it smells. Uh, sores that are of a certain type, uh, gangrene and different things like that, uh, they will not only cause uh, great pain and suffering to the person that has them, they will also cause great discomfort to anyone who gets near them because the actual process is, and that's what the word noisome means. Uh, it, it talks about something that is painful, something that is noxious, something that just, it, it's something that gets all of your senses. And it's going to be grievous. It's not going to go away. It is going to be something that really affects you. How many of you have ever pinched a nerve or really pulled something? And I mean, it, uh, it doesn't matter how small that muscle or tendon is, it affects you. It affects everything you do. It affects every thought that you have during the time of that pain. That, that's what this is talking about. It is something that is going to consume the person that has it. It's going to take all of their attention And here's the people who it's going to fall upon. It's going to fall upon those that have the mark of the beast, those that have worshipped his image. Now, we'll just touch on this very quickly because there's so much curiosity about the mark of the beast. And uh, every once in a while, you're going to get something in the mail uh, about, you know, um, uh, several years ago, they came out with this little computer chip implant that you could actually get for your dog or your cat. And and, uh, that way that uh, if your dog got lost, they would just scan your dog and your information would come up and they would return poor little Fido or uh, uh, whatever you call a cat. I don't know. But uh, scat, right? No. Uh, But uh, whatever you would happen to call your wonderful little animals... And some guy who had studied the Bible not very well, the mark of the beast. Well, no, sorry. 
The mark of the beast has nothing to do with the identification of your animals and even if they talking about coming out with these things for your children and all of that. I'm not going to worry about it until they build a buzzer in there. If they go too far, you can push it and get them to come back. That might work. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that anytime soon. The mark of the beast is attached to the worship of a man. It's not about the technology. You see, this book called the book of Revelation is about the worship and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The world in which we live is about the worship of and the testimony of man. Johann Sebastian Bach signed every piece of music. To God be the glory. Beethoven didn't do this literally, but he did in his life and in his action and in everything he said. Signed every piece of music to the glory of Beethoven. That's the difference. We have much going on today in our world about religion. But the Bible is about the worship of God. Heaven is about the worship of God. My brother and I were discussing, he just took a church up in Massachusetts, and there's some people in there that have been enamored by quote-unquote great preachers, and, and I said, you know, that's something that we've worked on since day one at Open Door Bible Baptist. We don't want people worshiping or admiring other men. The greatest preacher is just a signpost to point you to Jesus. If that's where you're pointed, then that's a good thing. And there's lots of people with lots of good information out there. Uh, Let them stay out there, amen? If they're right about the Bible, it was in here long before they came along. And what they're wrong about, we're just going to leave out there because we're not going to bring the personalities in when we can just have the scriptures. That's what the beast is going to be all about. He's going to be about people worshiping him. And the Bible says that this first vial is going to be a noisome and grievous sore upon everyone that has aligned themselves with this false imitation Christ. The Bible calls him the beast this world leader, and the, the succession of these vials seems to be just one right after the other. This grievous sore is going to break out upon them, and the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea in verse 3. The first angel upon the earth, all of those that worship the beast are going to be attacked. The second vial is upon the sea, And it is going to become as the blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. Now, you hear all of these cataclysmic events happening. I just read an article. Um, Do you know that the global warming people, that they're at it again. And they have come out and they are talking about how the 
Greenland ice sheets are moving at an increased rate and that the sea levels are going up and that by 2100, the sea level may actually be up uh, two or three inches rather than the six feet that they talked about. Uh, How many of you are worried about that? If you are, see me afterwards. We'll sign you up for counseling and try to help you through that. The seas are the life of this planet. Vial number two. No more seas. No more life in the oceans. Now remember, way back with the one of the seal judgments, all of the green grass was burnt up. And so we are looking at the end of life on this planet as we know it. And the third angel, verse 4, poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art, and wast, and shall be, because thou hast judged us. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another voice out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Now this is one point that we've tried to make all the way through the book of Revelation, even in the midst of these incredible and just unthinkable things that are going to happen, we still have the righteousness of God being affirmed in his, and His justice. Those that have shed the blood of His prophets, He said, I'm going to give you what you want. You want blood? I'm going to give it to you. The waters are going to be corrupted and Some of you have thought about this already. We have a very, again, a similarity between many of these judgments here as we go through them and the judgments that God put upon Egypt in the book of Exodus. One of the judgments was a grievous sore, uh, boils, and the magicians couldn't even stand before Moses. How many of you remember that? And the first of the plagues was turning the Nile River and the fountains in the land of Egypt to blood. Uh, so that they could not drink uh, the water of the river. Now, if we study the book of Exodus, we'll find out that they were able to dig into the ground around the river and find fresh water to drink. And uh, that will apparently be uh, uh, probably the same right here. Because when we get down to number six, we're still going to find water there in the river Euphrates. There's still going to be a flow to the river there. And we have God's judgment saying, this is what God is doing. This is why he's doing it. And God is establishing his level of justice. He is giving back to those people what they've asked for, what they have done, the rewards of their deeds. And remember, the fifth seal, there was souls under the altar that had been killed. 
there was 144,000 Jewish people along with a multitude that no man could number. All of these had lost their lives because they refused to worship the beast and his image. So it's not something like even was going on in the Roman Empire and other times. This is going to be a worldwide persecution of those that believe in Christ. Now, it's not letting up. We've only gone through three of the seven vials and we get down to uh, verse uh, 8 here. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. Now look at the wording here. It's interesting. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat. Their response, verse 9, And blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. How many times have you heard somebody say, you got to be crazy to do that? Talking about some wicked deed, something against God and his word. Let me tell you, sin makes you crazy. You will do things you never thought would be possible for you to do. How many people, when they finally are caught and put on the stand for some heinous act they've done, murder or great harm, dealing drugs, and, and they just sit there and they say, you know, I must have been temporarily insane. Well, you know what? I would agree for, I would agree with that. I think you have to be insane to do the things that people do. How can someone hurt someone? I mean, just, just think about this. These two guys up in, what was it, up in Harlem somewhere? shot that fella for his cell phone. They murdered him for a cell phone. And then they tried to sell it. Now, don't you understand? Those things got your electronic imprint all over them. Uh, all they have to do is check the phone, and they ran it back to these two guys and arrested them, and now they're going to stand trial for murder over a cell phone. I'll tell you what, we live in a crazy world, and yet here, talk about global warming. They're finally going to get what they want. I mean, the sun is going to have huge solar flares, and, and we don't know how it's all going to work, but it, it says that power is given to this angel to scorch men with fire. Now, the sun is 93 million miles away. But if you stay out in it very long, you're going to get a sunburn. Now, what's going to happen if something cataclysmic happened in the burning of the sun? As, as we know it, it's really beyond our ability to even understand and comprehend the power of the sun. And yet it is going to burn men with heat. On this planet. And what is their response going to be? Re not repent. And blaspheme God. I'll tell you what. It just doesn't make sense. You would think. 
that if you could understand that there is someone bigger than you in charge of things, and these horrible things are happening, all life is now dead in the sea. Those that have worshipped the beast are covered with these grievous sores that they cannot move, hardly cannot think. Now they're being scorched with fire. The rivers of the earth have ceased flowing water that can be drinked, that can be drunk, excuse me, and now they're being scorched with fire and their only thing to do is to blaspheme the name of God and to continue in their unrepentance. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness. Now look at this next one. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. I read this and I think of the night before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Lot went out to the crowd that had gathered and, and uh, it says that the angels pulled Lot into the house and smote the men of the city with blindness and it says they wearied themselves to find the door. Here it says that the kingdom of the beast is going to be full of darkness. Now, darkness is something that none of us really like. Someone said, uh, why, why am I afraid of the dark? I said, I don't, I don't know. I can't answer your question. I said, I'm not afraid of the dark. Never have been. Really? I'm afraid of what's in the dark. Amen? That's why I like to turn on the lights so I can see. What's normally in the dark? Nothing. But how many of you have ever been in a place where you couldn't turn on the lights? That's terrifying. And we, we've read the story of Jonah. It was dark in the whale's belly. He had no concept of time. But you know what? Jonah finally gave up and repented. What are these people going to do? They're just going to add to the burden of their sins and their rebellion against God. But before they have a chance to finish the cursing in their mouth, the sixth angel pours out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. How many of you remember the first uh, Iraq war? They sent in those planes. They took out the radar sites. The second thing they did was they destroyed all the bridges over the Euphrates River. Said, if you were going to get from one side of Baghdad to the other, you had to drive 150 miles one way. And... By the way, they'd already blown up the gas dumps and all of those things, so there was no gas in the city to make the drive even if you wanted to. It's, the Euphrates River has been one of the great barriers of all history. You just study that river. Different things have 
happened to it. It says here that the river is going to be dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now, I want you to skip over, skip back with me. Go back with me to Revelation chapter 9. And we come down to verse 15. This is the sixth trumpet has being, uh, has, is, is being sounded. We have seven seals. The seventh seal becomes six trumpets. The six trumpet sounds. And we are told that this army, verse 15, and the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of the men and the number of the army of their of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand and i heard the number of them we have an army of 200 million marching from the east they've been doing this they have this period of just over a year, 390 days, I believe the Bible gives us in an hour and a minute, and they are going to be wiping out a third of the population of earth. Apparently, this is one of the connections in the Bible. They're going to get to the Euphrates River, marching toward Jerusalem, about the time the sixth vial is poured out and the river dries up. Could you imagine, as this great army is marching this way, and people are depending upon these natural barriers to at least stem the flow, at least slow them up a little bit, and all of a sudden there's no river there to slow them up. They just march right on through it. And yet, let's finish this one here. Verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into one place, called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now this is the battle of Armageddon. The battle is not being fought here. The way of the kings of the east is prepared by the drying up of the Euphrates. We have these three uh, demonic... Uh, frogs, it says, now, again, let's apply our rules of understanding the Bible. He said, I saw three unclean spirits. That's a demonic angel. We call them demons. And in John's appearance, they look like frogs. And they came out of the mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, number one, who's the dragon? That's the devil. The beast, he is the world political leader. The false prophet, he is the one world religious leader. 
And all three of these are going to work together under the influence of the devil using every power that they have to gather all the armies of the world together to a place called Armageddon. Now, mankind forever has tried to uh, talk about things on the level of Armageddon. Nothing in the history of mankind's ever come close. The Armageddon is a place. We know where it is. The Bible tells us it's the Valley of Megiddo. A world leader many years ago stood on the hill overlooking that valley. He said, it is the greatest battlefield on earth. Napoleon Bonaparte. There's a man that knows about battlefields. He knew about war. He also knew enough about his Bible to know where he was. Now, don't get worried. I don't think Napoleon actually got saved. He was too busy worshiping Napoleon. But the, the simple truth is, even a man like this could look at that place. A valley that runs up the Jordan River through the land of Israel. It starts uh, above the mountains of Jerusalem, which approach unto the city itself and goes all the way up to the hills of Galilee there. Many battles have been fought there, but the greatest battle in all of history. And what we're having happen here is because of the influence of these uh, demonic spirits, these unclean spirits, because of the direction of the dragon, which is the devil himself, the false prophet, the beast, they are going to work to gather all together all of the armies of the world. And it's going to meet in Armageddon. This will be the last battle. World War II. They said, this is a war to end all wars. How long did that last? Three years? Four years? Uh, it was all... The Cold War started at the peace table. Uh... The hot war in Korea, Vietnam, and every other part of the world has been raging. In case you're wondering, World War III has been going on for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, it's in every corner of the earth. Uh, it is being fought right now. Uh, don't get excited. The Bible says these are the things that are going to happen before the first seal is broken in the tribulation period begins. There is a warning here. And this warning is given to those that would have the knowledge of God. The Bible tells us the two witnesses that we've already studied are going to be preaching. There will be those that believe. There are going to be those that trust Jesus Christ during the tribulation period as their Savior who will survive the tribulation period. Now, if we understand our Bible correctly, these will, be, these will be people who have never heard the message of the gospel before the tribulation begins. 
those that refuse Jesus before the tribulation begins will automatically believe in the lie. That is the challenge for you and I today, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ while we have time. And we have a warning here to to be careful as the world is gathered together to Armageddon. Verse 17, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. How many of you have ever been outside in a real hailstorm? I mean, you get those little tiny pea-sized hails. And, and stones, you can get a pretty good headache if one of them hits you in the right place. Uh, we've heard of baseball-sized hail, softball-sized hail. I think the biggest hailstone is somewhere around two pounds. It was about that big around. Now, could you imagine a projectile falling 10,000 feet out of the sky? How many of you know how much a talent was? A talent was a unit of measurement. In the Bible, when it says he gave unto them talents, he gave unto them certain weight. And that talent was very similar to uh, what, you know, it was one of their divisions of weight. We talk about pounds and we talk about tons. And Well, a talent was about 75 pounds. 75 pounds, a 50-pound block of ice is about this big square. Well, let's half that again. And it's not going to be a a nice square block of ice. It's going to be ice crystals, usually round. Let me tell you something. You could put an M1 Abrams battle tank out of commission with one of those things. Uh, There's nothing known to mankind that could withstand that kind of impact. We've often talked about, as we go through the Bible, a story of time that in the very beginning when God created the earth, the earth was very different geographically, uh, uh, climate-wise, than it is today. And it almost appears that God is going to take this earthquake here at the Battle of Armageddon and straighten everything out and make it the way it used to be. If we understand the Bible correctly, the earth was one plane. And there were no mountains. There was no rain before Noah's flood. Every island is going to flee away, it says. The mountains are not found. What's going to happen to them? 
And what is the response of mankind? More blasphemy. I just don't quite get it, but I do understand this much. When you choose to reject God, you're going to go beyond the realm of reason to continue your rejection of God. You need to choose, I need to choose to serve God and surrender to Him each and every day. Amen? And the answer when adversity comes to us is to what? The Bible says we should glory in our tribulations, that we should look to God as even the great problems and suffering that we face in this life, God has put in our way so that He can allow us to serve Him more. God is not calling us to suffer for the sake of suffering. He is calling us to suffer for the sake of service. In that, we can be encouraged. Amen? When mankind suffers apart from God, there's no answer. Just more suffering. Apparently here, it says it is done. The battle of Armageddon has been fought. Uh, we'll read in other places here. We'll go back to uh, chapter 14. And that's where the prophecy of the blood flowing down that uh, Jordan Valley, the, uh, the place called Armageddon to the horse's bridle. Uh, that's where we get all of that information. We're going to go back and fill these things in. There's going to be uh, a complete changing in chapter 19. We have the armies of heaven returning behind Christ, and he is going to destroy the Antichrist and his kingdom. The, be- the false prophet and the beast are going to be taken literally in body form and thrown into the lake of fire, God's eternal judgment. The devil is going to be locked up in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and Christ is going to set up his kingdom. Now, there are a lot of people that deny that, but the Bible tells us. It gives us several verses here. It says, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We believe in the kingdom because the Bible says so. That thousand years is going to expire. And we're up to Genesis chapter 19. What we're trying to do is just finish out the scope of the action of the book of Revelation. Then is going to come... The great white throne judgment where all of the unsaved are judged. Then we begin eternity future. That's the only way I know how to call it. Because it says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's when God's going to wipe away all tears. We sang the song, he the pearly gates will open. The pearly gates are in the new Jerusalem. They're actually not in heaven. We will look forward to all of these things. Now, what we're going to be doing from now on in our study of the book of Revelation is we got to go back to chapter 12, and we're going to start picking up all of the types and the pictures and the secondary information, and then we're going to plug this into the pattern of action that we have gone through for all of these weeks as we go through the book, uh, uh, as we have gone through the book of Revelation, 
And uh, we're going to try to bring in the other prophecies when we get back to chapter 12 uh, in two weeks, uh, looking forward to uh, tying in the prophecies of the book of Daniel and other places and trying to uh, give a complete uh, scope uh, of of sequence and make the connections between the Bible. Uh, When we did the book of Hebrews, if you remember, we spent about 18 months going through the book of Hebrews. We called that God's switchboard. Well, Hebrews was the connection of everything having to deal with our salvation. Revelation here is the connection, is the fulfillment of everything having to do with God's judgment upon mankind. And so we're going to try to go back and, and, and make these connections in the next several uh, months as we go through the uh, remaining chapters of the book of Revelation. And then when we're all done, we'll forgotten everything that we've studied and, and we'll try to take a couple of weeks and just do a quick summary walkthrough. And, and pray for me. I have wonderful things in my mind. If I could just get them down on paper, uh, I think it would help you see and understand I am not like uh, some of the uh, great teachers who can draw all these wonderful things. Uh, I, I just don't have that much artistic ability, but uh, just pray that the time will be there and the energy to try to do something there that that will help us as we look and try to understand because there is a promise of blessing to those that study this book. God has told us, and we are often and should be overwhelmed with the destruction and the death and the fierceness of the wrath of God. But what we need to remember is all of these things do not measure up to what Jesus endured on the cross in our place so that we could be free from these things. And I'll tell you what we need to do. Praise the Lord each and every day of life he gives us. And serve him till he comes for us. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we ask that you would help us to concentrate on your great love. On the fact that we need not endure these things. We need not suffer through them if we'll only repent and serve you today. We ask for your grace and your encouragement that we may be your servants till you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, just have the piano come if you need to speak.